Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I'm speaking with the wonderful guest, Catherine Idol Belt. The price question says, I'm interested. It's actually a really great question. It's basically a screaming neon sign saying, I'm in the market. I'm I'm interested, but I have a, a this little roadblock of price. And often they don't know what else to ask. Often those price shoppers wouldn't choose the cheapest if they knew it meant less quality, nobody stands behind the work, the place is dirty, the service is terrible, the experience is terrible, it's unskilled people, all of that. If they knew it, they'd say, well, I'd rather pay a little more and get a different experience. But it's up to us to make sure that they understand the experience with us. So I think that's the key is getting your people trained, not just handing them a phone and a pat on the back and saying, good luck. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how a lot of administrators are trained. Here's what we will be diving into and some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, communication is essential to building a strong team and patient relationships. And that's mainly the gist of this whole podcast is how to better communicate with your team, with your patients. Uh, It's fantastic, fantastic episode. So really listen into this. The second point, uh, one of my key takeaways was don't forget to invest in team culture. It's not all about how much you're paying employees. They want purpose, support, and acknowledgement as well. Number three is always lead with what your practice does offer rather than what it doesn't. This is especially true when handling those tricky questions involving insurance. So lead with what your practice does offer, right? And she dives real deep into this, especially when it's like, do you take my insurance? If you lead with no, we don't, that's the doesn't. So she gives us scripts on how to handle this. Another key takeaway was don't be afraid of the price question. If a potential patient is asking about price, it means they're looking to buy. Another one is when on the phone with potential patients, be sure to establish a relationship before asking for details. We hear this all the time. And so I kind of brought the question of, okay, what are the patients like? Yeah, no, look, I just want to know this. I just want to know this. Because we get those type of patients on the phone. She gives us scripts on how to handle that as well. And then one of the final takeaways was if you aren't the cheapest practice in town, you will have to sell the value of your practice rather than the price point. And we dive much deeper into this as well. So guys, without further delay, here is Catherine Idle Belt. Catherine, how's it going? It's going great. So glad to be with you this morning. Thank you for being on. We truly, truly appreciate it. I know we're not far from each other. You're experiencing, we just had a ton of rain, huh? We did, but it's made everything uh, gorgeous and green and the snow-capped mountains. And I heard we're going to have a super bloom because of the rain on the flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be beautiful here in Southern California. (laughs) But awesome, Catherine. So can you tell us a little bit about your past, your present? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I come from dentistry. I started in college as a chairside dental assistant and eventually worked my way up to the front office area and the administration area of a practice and managed a large practice. Eventually, my career led me into practice management consulting for several decades. And then about 10 years ago, 
I narrowed my focus to communication skills coaching only, and primarily still within dentistry, though we do some corporate work and some work uh, in, I would call it discretionary healthcare fields, but primarily dentistry. And we like to describe our company, my company is Lion Speak, and the overarching umbrella is communications coaching, but under that umbrella, we we basically deliver that in three different sectors. So one sector we describe as patient-facing or customer-facing communications. So we talk and teach a lot on telephone skills and converting new patient phone calls, especially difficult ones. And then also case presentation, financial discussion with patients. We have a lot of practices transition off of insurance plans and all the communication that's needed for that. Our second lane is described as team-facing communication. So team culture, leadership, we train a lot of managers on how to have something we call courageous conversations in a Mm -hmm. really productive way. I'm writing a book on that right now, and we're getting ready to release an on-demand video training series on that in April. And then our third lane is described as audience-facing communication. So we have a train the speaker and a train the trainer program there. And that's for anybody who wants to speak from the stage or even for practice owners that have large practices that may need to address their company or a board or anything like that uh, on a regular basis, then we help them with their presentation skills. So that's where I've come from and and where we are today. Okay, nice. So let's rewind a little bit. You said you started as a chairside dental assistant and then you worked your way up to the front. Why? Why didn't you just stick to, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you know what, I'm going to do more clinical and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I think I think I got there a, the way a lot of administrators got there. I was sort of thrown into it. Uh, our The administrator office manager that we had was in a car accident and actually didn't come back to the practice for over a year. So we were all just sort of pitching in, you know, pinch hitting for our team. And it stuck. I guess I was had some talent or was good at it and good on the phone, good with patients. And so I ended up, they ended up hiring another assistant and I ended up staying up front and eventually moving on to manage a practice. And so I love both. I love them equally. I love chairside with patients. I love dentistry and providing it, but I also loved the management of a team and the systems, you know, management that was required from an administrator's position. So, yeah. Okay, wonderful. And then why did you narrow your focus to just communication? Ah, interesting question. So I think something happens when you hit your 50s. I think you're looking at your, you know, yardstick of your life and one half's looking a little shorter than the other half. Mm-hmm. And I think I looked at my business. It was a very successful pra- uh, dental practice consulting business, but there was a sliver that I enjoyed more than the rest. It's not that I don't understand how to set goals and track metrics or read a P&L. Uh, obviously, I own my own business and and helped many, but or that I don't understand insurance coding and things like that. But that was never, it never lit me up. What did light me up was helping dental professionals step into their potential by communicating at a much higher level. And so it was a bit of a jump off the cliff. I mean, I had people say, you know, I don't think... I don't think dentists or really small businesses are going to pay for communications coaching only outside of practice management. And I wasn't sure they would either, but uh, turns out 10 years later, here we are, and turns out they will. So 
I think I have a knack for it. It was definitely, I wanted to spend the rest of my career working on the topics that I most enjoy teaching and also with clients that I most enjoy working with. So it was a bit of an arrowing of my focus. That's nice. I like that. Yeah, you're like niching down, you know what I mean? And it's good. Niching down, exactly right. I like it. So out of the, the three lanes that you mentioned, which do you see people returning and kind of saying like, we need this? I would assume it's team because, you know, teams are changing all the time. But like, where do you see where it's never ending? All three. All three. Okay. So patient facing, obviously, we have new people coming on board. We have, you know, older personnel that's been with us a long time or been in the industry a long time that sometimes needs a refresher. So we see ongoing there. We have clients returning year after year after year. But Mm -hmm. certainly for team facing, we do something called, um, in our leadership coaching, we do something called a calibration retreat. And many of our clients have us back year after year to facilitate that retreat. It's called a calibration retreat because it calibrates, its intention is to calibrate the team with the owner's future vision at that moment, how they see the future and what they're trying to create from that vantage point. And also the standards, the cultural standards that they, that are important to them. And so our job is to make sure that the owner's crystal clear about that for themselves first, and then articulates that very clearly to the team, and that we are able to facilitate a discussion at least once a year about inviting people, which is a very different idea than demanding, inviting people to cross the threshold into helping us achieve this vision and to align with these cultural standards. So there is no doubt right now, given the shortage of employment that we're seeing, sort of at a crisis level. We have clients that we've worked in different, maybe different areas that have come back, maybe post-COVID, they were like, well, you know, culture, you know, it's important, but I don't know if I want to. All of a sudden they're calling and going, okay, I get it. I can't, I can't keep people. I mean, they're going down the street for a few dollars more an hour because they feel there's, that the cultures are the same or one is better than the other. And so I get now that it's more than just what I pay. I have to create a work environment where people have clarity, where they have, they feel a part of something bigger and they feel supported. So helping owners and managers and leadership create that environment is what we're all about. So you can imagine there's just like booming business in that lane. Yeah. 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 Then you know, as, as practices have scaled with multi-location, lots of doctors, there's a point sort of kind of a crossover point, about five practices in, if their intention is to grow and scale, at about that juncture, we find that they need to create a middle layer of management and often of training, internal training. And so in our third lane, we're doing a very robust business right now in helping managers or or dental personnel that gets advanced or promoted into those uh, training or management positions to learn how to coach their people. They often are really good at their job. It'd be someone gets promoted because they're a great hygienist or a great administrator. But when we promote them into a leadership position or a management position, even a team lead, they often fail because the skills you need to be a really great hygienist and team player are a little different than what you need to grow and coach your people. So we're doing a lot of work in that area to help these new managers learn those skills. So it's hard for me to pick a lane because we're busy in all of them. Yeah, no, that's good, though. That's good. And I like how you mentioned on the other one where it's like you want to feel you want your team to feel bigger than it. They, w- they want to feel a part of something bigger than, you know what I mean, what it is. I know a couple of hygienists, and they're hygienists, Catherine, hygienists and dental assistants who left 
for like, oh, In-N-Out has way better structure and organization. And I feel like I'm, I'm going somewhere with them, you know, or another, you know, it's so different industry, but they're doing that. So I want to ask you, I want to dive into two specific ones. Okay. Ones that we uh, discuss all the time here is one of them. Let's, let's dive into that one is telephone skills and converting difficult new patient phone calls. How okay. can we, what are some pointers, instructions that you can give us for this? Well, we're known as the unscripted communications coaching company because I dislike scripts very much. I don't think they work. I get why we invented them. Very popular in the 70s and 80s, even into the 90s. Scripting was really popular. And I remember my boss at one time hiring a consultant, and it was overall a really great experience, but I remember the day he plopped down a three-ring binder full of scripts for everything we were supposed to do in the dental practice. And I remember reading some of those and thinking, these were the hokiest things I ever read. Like, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't imagine saying it that way through my personality and sounding mm-hmm. like normal. And so I get why scripting came about, though, because as a businesswoman, I definitely want to have consistency of service and consistency of brand and messaging in my company. Like, I wouldn't want you to call and talk to Kelly and have a completely different experience and get completely different information than you might if you talk to Stacy, right? Mm-hmm. I, do, I, do, I do think that the idea of scripting was to give us consistency for branding, for messaging, for all of that. And so I get that. And I do think it's important. But I'm the kind of gal that says, why do I have to choose between consistency of message in my business and authenticity and connectivity with my patients and my customers? And so likewise, I don't want you to call and talk to Kelly and get a robotic, like she's a robot. And then it's the same exact experience when you talk to Stacy. So I want... I want their personalities to come through. I want you as a customer to think, I, I spoke to a human being who heard me and had a, developed a relationship with me and was present in this moment, not reading from a memorized script. So I'm the kind of girl who says, I don't want to choose. I want both. And I think you can have both. And you do that with frameworks. Frameworks similar to scripting in that we require everyone to agree to that framework. And we hold them accountable. We test them, we teach them, we train them, and we hold them accountable through ongoing coaching to that framework. But within the framework, they get to be who they are. As long as they hit the points of the framework, we say if they're funny, we want them to be funny. If they're kind and sweet and gracious, that's how they're wired, then let's be a big version of that. We teasingly say if they're direct, They just need to be careful, (laughs) but but they get to be who they are. And I like that. I think patients respond well to that. It's how we train everyone that we train on communication. If we're training a speaker on the stage to be a better speaker, we don't want them to sound like Catherine. We want them to sound like the best version of them, their personality to come shining big through that stage performance. But we do want them to get the points across to the audience that they've agreed to speak on, you know? So there, again, there's a framework, but within the framework, we get to be who we are. So that's first tips on telephone skills. So our framework is a simple four-step process for almost every single new patient phone call that you could imagine. And there's really a top five. Mm -hmm. There's the patient that calls and asks the price of something, which is challenging. There's the patient that calls and asks for a checkup or a cleaning. You know, they're not really, they have no real urgent need. They just want to stay current, right? And so they call asking, usually the question is a checkup or a cleaning. The third one is they have an emergency. They have some level of urgency of a toothache, or they have a broken tooth, or something doesn't feel quite right, or they have 
you know, they want something whitened before their wedding. There's some sense of urgency and Mm -hmm. some more immediate need. There is also a couple of other questions that come up. They're, They're not actually a need, but they're the first question that gets asked. One of those is, are you on my plan? Now, that's not actually why they're calling. It's usually something else. It always is something else. But it's the first question that they ask, and it's what administrators are faced with answering. And that's easy to answer if you are a provider on the plan. It's a little more challenging if you're not. And lots and lots of practices struggle with that question. So those are the kinds of questions that we coach on. And so my t- my quick tips, I mean, of course, we, we take a lot longer than this interview to, to train people to be experts at this, but mm-hmm. high-level tips would be this. The first thing you have to accomplish is get in relationship with this caller. So what tends to happen is they'll say, hi, I was calling. I've got a, a bit of a toothache and I was wondering if the doctor could see me today. And what we hear, we do, we do thousands of mystery shopper calls a year for our clients. And I'd love to talk about how we do that a little differently in a, in a bit. But, we, but we, we listen to a ton of calls every year. And more often than you might think, it's, it's actually very frequent and very uh, often that we hear someone will answer that question with a, another question of what insurance do you have? So here they've said, I've got a tooth that's bothering me. I'd like to know if I could be seen today. And they say, okay, well, do you have insurance? What insurance do you have? So what happens with that response it's not coming from a mean person. It's coming from a person who's got three lines on hold and two people are checking out and they got a lot going on mm-hmm. and they're trying to be efficient. But what, how it sounds to a patient is all you care about is getting paid. And so what we first teach is before you ever answer any question, say, well, I'm really glad you called. I mean, again, in your own words, but I'm really glad you called us. Welcome to our practice. My name is Catherine. And what was your name? Right. Let's get on a first name basis. So the first thing I think is, how can I get their name? How can I welcome them? And then I will usually, if they don't offer, I was referred by this person or I found you on the internet or however. So if they say I was, my neighbor said I should call you. I say, oh, well, who's your neighbor? That's so awesome of her to refer you. And how long have you guys lived next to each other? You know, just If someone says, you know, I just moved to the area and my someone at work said I should call you, I say, well, where'd you move from? How long have you been here? How do you like it so far? I mean, there's a thousand questions you could ask. That's the no scripting part. Ask whatever feels natural to you and to the conversation, but don't skip the principle of walking through the door and getting in relationship with that person. So one way to get in relationship is to walk through any open door they open. Now, that's going to be really annoying to a patient that's in pain. So if a patient is in pain and they express that, or even any high urgency, we don't want to say, well, gosh, how long have you worked there? You know, and it's annoying. So what we want to connect with is empathy. We want to say, before we ever answer their question, we want to say, well, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that you've been in some discomfort. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and how we can get you seen quickly and get you feeling better soon. So I just want you to know I'm, I get it and I'm, and I'm really sorry to hear that. You know, just some empathy that says, I heard you and I actually care about it. It's less than 30 seconds. It's not a long time, but do not skip this step. So that would be my first tip. Second tip is get in control of the phone call. And I'll tell you, Michael, if your listeners took only one thing away from this discussion about telephone skills mm-hmm. and even maybe communications in general. If they took this next point away, they'd have the keys to the kingdom. If they would remember that whoever in any conversation, like in this interview, in any conversation, 
the person that's asking the questions is actually controlling the direction of the conversation. So in our exchange today, you're asking the majority of the questions. You're steering what we're going to talk about. You're steering the direction of our conversation, which is as it should be. It's your podcast. But when people call a dental office, it's usually the patient that's holding that baton of control because they say, are you on my plan? How much do you charge for a crown? Can I get my teeth cleaned? You know, can I be seen today? So they've got the control. And instead of thinking my job is to answer all their questions, an administrator would be better served to say my job is to gently reach through that phone, connect with them personally, gently grab that baton of control and bring it back over here where I can steer and control the conversation. That's the biggest mistake most people make in our mystery shopper calls is they don't get control of the call early. And how you do it is you answer their question with another question. So I might say, if they said, you know, how much do you charge for whitening? I might say, well, I'm so glad you called. We do whitening, a lot of whitening, really good at it. So welcome to our practice. Uh, my name's Catherine. And what was your name? Right. I connect with them somehow. Then once I feel like I've connected, then I say, so I'm happy to answer your question about the whitening. I just want to make sure I give you the right information and schedule the right appointment. So would you mind if I ask you a few more questions or a couple of questions? Now who's got the baton of control? They feel like they're going to get their question answered, so they're not resistant in any way. But I have not answered their question. I've actually just reached through the phone and brought the control over to me. And now I get to steer this with a line of questioning that will help me determine really the only two things that an administrator ever needs to determine on a new patient call. One is which of the two appointments we have to offer is best, comp exam or a limited exam? Which of those is the best for this patient? And it is often different than what they asked for. Lots of people asked for a cleaning, but what they really want is to have a tooth check. Lots of people asked to have a tooth check and what they would be more than willing to do is have all their teeth checked. So, I mean, that's not always the case, but it often is the case. So when someone says, I was wondering if I could schedule a cleaning, I think in my mind, well, we'll see. We'll see. Depends on how you answer my questions. Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to schedule you for a new patient exam and cleaning until I've taken you through a line of questioning. And my, all my questioning is about urgency. It's all about urgency because the only thing that drives them or should drive them to a limited exam that I'm going to shove into the middle of a full schedule should be urgency. And if it isn't urgent, then I'm going to try to direct them and steer them to a comprehensive exam. That's the one thing I have to determine. The second thing I have to determine with my line of questioning is what else do they care about? What are other hot buttons? Is it the discomfort? Do they also have some money concerns or financial concerns? Do they have maybe they're concerned about getting some, you know, this appointment, but missing too much work. Maybe they have an upcoming event. They want the work to be done before. So I'm trying to find out what else do they care about so that when I step into my step number three in the framework, I can give back to them now the right appointment and why it's perfect for them, options on times and dates. And then I'm also going to promote the practice back through the filter of what they said they cared about. So if I discerned that they cared about money, then I'm going to maybe mention, I'm so glad you found us because you mentioned that you were a little bit concerned about the cost of this treatment. And we have lots of patients that have expressed that concern. And we are really exceptionally good at helping patients with a variety of financial options to afford the care that they need and want. So once you come in, 
we'll find out exactly what you need. And then the two of us will sit down and we'll look at a variety of options. And we almost always are able to help patients find something that helps them afford the care that they want comfortably. So I look forward to that. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. my, my feeling is that it's our job to promote the price. It's not the patient's job to sell themselves on us. It's our job to sell them on us. And so once in step two, I've discovered what really matters to them and which appointment would be appropriate. Then in step three, I'm actually giving that to them. But I'm, but I'm stepping into actively promoting this practice through the filter of what I've discerned they care about. So, and then in step four, we just take care of the details. That's where we get insurance details. That's where we give them directions. And that's where we reconfirm the appointment or get whatever, you know, whatever the details are. But one of the big mistakes, Michael, that administrators make without training, and I've made all of these mistakes. One of the mistakes we often make is we let the computer screen for a new patient account guide our call. And the computer screen for a new patient account wants to know address and phone and email and insurance information. None of those help us with those two questions. What appointment is appropriate and what else do they care about that I can promote the practice to? So those questions, in my opinion, should be later in the call. Once we've scheduled an appointment, then all those things matter. But what does it matter what their address is or their email is if I haven't even sold them on the practice and we don't have them scheduled for an appointment? So I, I want to, my questions on step number two are geared toward discovering the level of urgency and what else do they care? What are their hot buttons so that I can manage that well in step three? So those are some tips that I think if people could really focus on restructuring where they guide and how they guide a patient, they do so much better in those phone calls. Wow. Okay. So these are the four major steps for this framework. And you mentioned you do mystery shopper calls. Uh-huh. For your clients, how does that work? Like, what were, how do you do that? Well, it's really kind of a scary proposition for most administrators, if they're honest. It's scary for anyone. You know, I'm a speaker and trainer and coach, and I've been invited to do some pretty big keynotes here in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're bigger audiences than I'm used to addressing normally. And so I reached out for some additional coaching for that keynote. And the first thing my coach said is, I want you to one of your next upcoming speeches, I want you to record it and I want you to watch it and self-evaluate your, you know, your performance. And then I will do the same and we'll come together and talk about it. And it was painful. It was painful to listen to myself, to watch myself. It's very hard, but as a professional, I want to continue to grow. I want to grow my income. I want to grow my value. I want to grow my performance. And so to do that, I've got to have the courage to listen and watch myself. And so I would say to administrators or anyone in the dental field, if you want to advance your career, if you want to be paid top dollar, I mean, imagine being able to lay down at your next review, your next performance review, four or five mystery shopper calls that were perfectly scored and you've got tens across the board. I mean, those are the kinds of talents that managers and leaders and owners are wanting to pay for. So I like that. Um, One of the things I'll say about Mystery Shepherd Calls is that we have some competition that I think does it very poorly. And because they have done it very poorly, it has turned a lot of people off to the idea as a whole. And I think we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's just been done poorly. So for example, we don't do any sneak attacks. If we're going to do Mystery Shepherd Calls and we agree to do them and a client hires us, it's with the understanding that we will train first. We will help people to get better first. And we will show them the scorecard. We will train them against the scorecard so that they have some input. They have can, 
can ask their questions, get whatever. We're not trying to catch people doing poorly. We're mm -hmm. trying to help them get better. And so no sneak attacks. The other thing is we don't use, we use normal people for the calls, asking normal questions. We're not trying, again, to trick people. We're trying to say, can we get you and help get you significantly better with the normal callers asking the normal questions that, that patients ask? So, you know, we're not dragging people off the street to do this. We have regular moms and dads. We even have a couple of retired dentists that make calls for us, but they're asking normal questions. And, and I think if we get good with those, then we've, you know, we've, we've scaled the mountain. So those are some of the things. The other is we never play these calls before anybody without their permission. Hmm. So sometimes somebody says, I want my team to hear this call. I want them to hear how much noise they were making in the background while I was trying to handle this call and how that sounds on the phone. So sometimes they say, please do play it. But unless we get their permission, well, first of all, unless we get their written permission, we never even make the calls. We want mm -hmm. the individual's written permission over the next year to do these and to sit down with them and to go over the results and help them get better. With one exception, of course, whoever hired us to do these, they get to listen to it. But other than that, we wouldn't play it before a department or a team or anyone else unless we had that person's permission. Again, we're not interested in embarrassing or catching someone. We want to build you up and make you say, that was one of the best things I ever did. And it and it helped my career. It's, it's important, I think, that we treat people the way we would want to be treated. So if you're interested in advancing your career or you're interested in helping your people advance their careers and convert more callers on the phone, I think teaching them well and then getting them a coach that can be their support person to you know, hold them accountable to, to what we've agreed to is, is, super, is super important. Yeah. What about, Catherine, the type of patients that call? I 100% agree. Like, we, we do need to get control of that. I love that, how you said, like, and that's a huge principle. Like, well, okay, the one asking the questions is the person, you know what I mean? And then at the same time, you want to show that empathy. Like, sure. who doesn't want, who doesn't love that? Who doesn't, like, you get it. You you get that I'm in pain, right? Huh? But what about those patients? Because I remember working in the front office and we would get a lot of the times where they're like, well, what does that matter? Like, it's almost like they were really short with me where it's like, just... Do you take it or do you not? That's all I need. Do you take it or do you not? And I'm, I kind of want to. Insurance on insurance. When it, whether it comes with insurance or whether like, do you have an appointment right now or no? Yes yeah, or no? Yeah. Like they were very short. So how do we how do we deal with that? Like I feel it's like so when that funny. happened, everything went out the window that I learned. It, you know? Well, it doesn't really. So you know, if I were, I travel a lot because I speak mm -hmm. a lot. So if I, let's say I am waiting for a plane, I bite down on something, maybe I have a little popcorn or something, I bite down, I think maybe, oh, I think I maybe I chipped that tooth, right? I'm on the jetway, boarding the plane, I call an office. If I say, hi, look, my name's Catherine Itell Belt, I live in Temecula, I'm actually boarding a plane, I just think I bit down on something, I think I might have chipped part of my tooth, it's not hurting, but I would like to get it checked when I return on Monday. And I can come anytime next week. I don't have insurance. I'll be paying cash. I'd just like to get something if I could early afternoon next week. I can come any day. You pr pretty much have skipped over the four-step process because I've given you every, I've given you my urgency where I am on the scale of urgency. It's not very urgent. I've already answered questions about how, how I'll be paying, what I expect, when I can come. So you can, it would be silly to try to go back to step one and try to walk down this floor. Mm. It's like I've catapulted. So it's really, you have to use your head about the framework. The framework is more for someone calls, you have limited or no information. I want to know how much you charge for a crown. If you answer that, it's like you're throwing some, you know, it's like you close your eyes and 
shoot the arrow and hope that you come anywhere near the target. Mm -hmm. But when someone someone gives you enough information up front that the target's now clear, just shoot the target, right? Just, yeah. just take on there. Now, I will give you one exception, and that is the question about insurance. And it's similar to the question about price. I contend nobody is sitting around on their sofas at night, scratching their heads, wondering what the price of crowns are these days. That's not why they're calling. Yeah. They're calling because, and asking this question, because there's, it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz. There's something behind the curtain, right? There's, there's this little thing behind the curtain of this big, scary question that's actually really important. And so rather than address the big, scary question, I want to kind of be good enough to peel back that curtain and say, well, what's what's behind there? Because the truth is, unless you are the cheapest in town, if you are the cheapest in town and somebody is, somebody is, if you are, that question's not hard, right? If, if you're the cheapest crown in town, cheapest Invisalign, cheapest whitening, cheapest implant, you can answer that question. They're not going to find it any less. But if you're not the cheapest in town, then we won't win on answering that question. We will have to win in some other way. We'll have to win on value. And to do that, we've got to get behind why are they calling? Why are they asking this question in the first place? And if we can get behind that, and that's why I say, honor the question, say that I'm, I'm so glad you called us. I'd love to talk to you about that. I want to make sure I give you the right information. So would you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? And then, of course, I'm going to start with why Why is it that you think you need it? First of all, is this for you? And if it is or whoever it's for, why do you think you need a crown? Are you experiencing some discomfort? If they say yes, I'm going to explore that because I'm still trying to figure out, am I going to schedule them for a, an immediate exam, mm -hmm. you know, a limited exam, or am I going to get them into a comprehensive situation? I'm trying to decide. Now, on the price question, we teach to avoid that question up front and do use these techniques of questioning and then offer them some appointments. And another tip I'll give right here, stop asking, do you prefer mornings or afternoons? Or do you prefer a day of the week? Stop it. The reason is, if you ask Catherine, do you prefer mornings or afternoons? Catherine's going to say mornings, because I would rather come in eight o'clock, get my appointment done, have my day to go back to work and, and be productive. But if you had a one o'clock in the afternoon open tomorrow that you wanted to fill and you asked me, do you prefer mornings or afternoons? I say eight o'clock. You now, it doesn't even make any sense to offer me the one, but that's what you really want to fill. But if you said to Catherine, you know what, I, Catherine, I have a, an appointment. Do, a doctor has some, an opportunity to see you for that either tomorrow at one or next Thursday at 10. Which of those would work best for your schedule? I might pick the one tomorrow if it was available. So you've scored big with me. Now, what I know is that three out of four people will go where you lead them if you lead them. In other words, if you give me a choice, three out of four people will pick one of those choices. You score big on three people if you just don't ask them morning or afternoon. Just take them, give them your hardest to fill times and see what happens. One out of four, Michael, mm -hmm. will not go where you lead them. They are assertive enough personalities that unless you can give them an eight o'clock on a Monday, they're not coming there. And so if you offer me one in 10, then that assertive person is going to say, well, actually, the only time I can come is eight o'clock on a Monday morning. Can you see me? Right. And so what have you lost with that person? You've lost nothing. You'll direct them to your next available early morning, which might be a while, but you've scored big on the other three that wouldn't have picked the one o'clock, but took it because you offered it. Do you see? So free mm -hmm. yourself up. 
stop that habit of of doing that and just offer them, direct them where you want to go, where, where you want them to go. So back to my question of the shopper and the insurance, on the shopper, I am going to try to guide them. And a lot of them will never ask that question a second time and they will come in. But some will. Some will say, well, I'm not ready to schedule because you never answered my question about how much it costs. So I contend administrators need to sit down with their manager or owner and they need to ask, they need to say, I'm feeling very skilled to avert that question at least once, maybe twice. But if they push me a second or third time and say, I need the, I need to know how much it is, I need to know from you which way you want me to go. Because whether I, whether they quote it or refuse to quote it, they're going to lose some people, right? Mm-hmm. If you quote it and you're not the cheapest, you're going to lose some. If you refuse to quote it, you're going to lose some. So I think it's a great trade to an owner or manager for an administrator to say, I'm not going to answer it on the first go round. I'm going to use this technique. I'm going to try to get them in here where we can see them eyeball to eyeball and we can quote the fees then. I'm going to do my very best. And if for those that circle back around and force me, how do you want me to respond? And really, it's a, it's just a choice. My preference is to uh, quote a range. If you're pushed into the corner to quote as wide a range as is reasonable or truthful, but not to do it right away, not to do it on the first go round, you know, to have some skills to try to avoid that question. We're not trying to avoid the question. We're trying to get them there to see and only quote what is real. We're also trying to get them in so that they have an experience of what our fees afford them. We can't give them that experience of what our fees afford them over the phone completely. So if we can get them in, we have a chance of them falling in love with us, falling in love with our office, our doctor, our hygienist, our team, our technology, all of that. But we, it's harder on the phone. So, so those are some tips for that. For insurance, you know, again, it's easy if you're on the plan, but if you're not, my suggestion very quickly would be don't tell them what you're not. Tell them what you are. So instead of saying, I'm sorry, we're not a provider on the plan, you're going to lose 100% of those people, wouldn't you? You're going to lose 100%. But if you say, I'm so glad you called, and we work with a lot of patients who have Blue Cross insurance, we are considered what is known as an unrestricted, or you could say, I've heard people say uh, non-preferred. I don't, I don't like that term. I think non-preferred sounds like the insurance company doesn't prefer you. Mm-hmm. But my favorite term of all is either unrestricted or non-contracted. So if someone says, you know, I was wondering if you accepted my Blue Cross insurance, then I would say, oh, I'm so glad you called. We help a lot of patients with that insurance. We're considered what's called a non-contracted provider. Here's how your insurance would work in our practice. And we help them understand. So what we're doing is we're saying, here's what we are instead of what we're not. Here's what we can do instead of what what can't be done. Here's how you can use it instead of how you can't use it. So it's the other side of the coin. I'm never asking people to say something untrue or something that is a lie. It's a bait and switch and I don't believe in it. I don't believe in saying, yeah, you can use your insurance, come on in, and then revealing once they're there that we actually aren't a provider on their plan. I think we need to be truthful. But again, I often will say, you know, I'm curious why you're looking for a provider on the plan. Is there some particular reason that you're wanting to be seen by a dentist? And if I can find that reason, I can sell my practice back to that reason. And often I can get them in even when we're not providers, often. But if we do not reach through that phone line and convince them that they shouldn't make a decision till they meet our doctor, 
they're going to go someplace else because in their mind, all dental practices are kind of the same. They all Mm -hmm. went to dental school. They all do a crown. You know, it's all the same. So unless we can kind of enlighten them that it isn't the same, then we're playing the wrong game. We're playing the wrong game. Yeah, I really like that, Uh, especially. And I kind of see now that you're talking to me, this involves a lot of consistency, like training, right? Like it's not just like a here's a thing and then get it get it together. Because I remember when I think we had like somebody talk to us about front office training on how to handle new patients, phone calls, and I did the same thing. But then when when that happened, when someone's like, oh, I just need like the plane and um, a metaphor, right? I, I forgot everything. And I, was, I just went back to my old habits. And then I just went like, okay, well, uh, let me just check real quick. And then, and I was like, why? I, I, I failed. I gave up, you know? So I feel like that that's a thing that can happen quite often. Yeah, we want to support people with a system that they feel like they can be who they are, but they have some guidance. I know how to handle this question. I mean, there's only a handful of common questions. If we're going to get four or five, in some practices, it's many more than that a day. Are you on my plan questions or how much, you know, if you're, you're, you're really promoting different ways of marketing practices. So, I mean, I feel like we're always marketing. We're, there's never a time we're not marketing, right? We're, we're always putting forth an image of who we are. And so you can't not market, but you can not market on purpose. You can market accidentally and sometimes not the way you meant to. And so, you know, it, it, so maybe all you have is a website and you're, maybe you're not, you don't have a social media campaign. You're not doing direct mail. You're not, you don't have a billboard or whatever, but regardless, they're going to find you some way. They're going to find you through referrals, the, the relationships you've nurtured. That's a marketing activity. So however they come to you, we have to have people on the phone that are skilled at the common questions those people would ask. And I find the more we do external marketing, the more we are doing direct mail, the sort of a cold call, the more we are doing social media outreaches and things like that, the more we're doing those kinds of things, the more we generate shopper questions. And a lot of administrators, because they struggle with the question, they're not very successful with them. And anything you're not very successful with, you're going to avoid and not like. We want to get them way more successful so they actually go, oh, goody, a shopper question, a price question. Because a price question says, I'm interested. It's actually a really great question. It's basically a screaming neon sign saying, I'm in the market. I'm I'm interested, but I have a, a this little roadblock of price. And often they don't know what else to ask. Often those price shoppers wouldn't choose the cheapest if they knew it meant less quality, nobody stands behind the work, the place is dirty, the service is terrible, the experience is terrible, it's unskilled people, all of that. If they knew it, they'd say, well, I'd rather pay a little more and get a different experience. But it's up to us to make sure that they understand the experience with us. So I think that's the key is getting your people trained, not just handing them a phone and a pat on the back and saying, good luck. Yeah. (laughs) And that's how a lot of administrators are trained. No, I agree. hundred percent. Wow, Catherine, thank you so much for being with us. We had, I wanted to ask you more stuff, more questions, but this was so jam-packed. We definitely got to invite you back on again. Oh, I'd love to be back on. So much to talk about. I mean, communication runs the world, right? It it just, everything happens through communication. So there's lots to talk about. That's (laughs) true. Yeah, communication does in the world. I really appreciate it, though, a lot of these principles that you, you mentioned here, especially when it comes to new patients and 
and diving into that. Where can our listeners find you if they need to reach out to you? Well, they can reach out through our website, obviously, which is lionspeak, L-I-O-N-S-P-E-A-K dot net. The dot com is owned by Lion's Peak Winery. So if you want wine, we say go there. But if you want (laughs) communications training, come to lionspeak.net. And if you go to patient service skills, the tab there, There'll be a drop-down menu, and it'll show you a lot of the programs. We have uh, an audio download. It's kind of a do-it-yourself telephone training program. So you can buy that audio download. It comes with a workbook, and your people can listen to it and learn how to do all of this much better. So it's a very affordable, very easy sort of do-it-yourself. If you want some ongoing help, we have an annual program that includes that training but it also includes virtual time with a live trainer and the mystery shopper calls throughout the year and, you know, more handholding and more hands-on training for your team. So lots of different options. We do some on-site visits uh, if we want to combine some topics for teams. And so you can learn a lot, a lot about us there. Awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. So definitely check that out. And Catherine, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I truly appreciate you. If you want, feel free to join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. And in there, you can talk with Catherine, ask her any questions or concerns, or you can just go in the show notes below and reach out to her directly there as well. Um, But like I said, feel free to join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. It's going to be in the show notes below, the link to that. It's a free Facebook group, and we talk with our guests that you've heard on the podcast previous guests we have deals specific deals with our sponsors in there so it's a fantastic uh, community of just us right and also if you have any questions or concerns with me you can also talk to me there as well Uh, but at the same time guys thank you so much for tuning in i truly appreciate you and here let me know too if you're part of that facebook group let me know if you're listening all the way to the end to the quotes of these books because i take time I take time to look through the books that I've read and I'm like, let me, what's a really good one that I'm feeling today, but at the same time, I know you may be feeling. So this one is a book I just started not that long ago. It's called The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. A little backstory. I don't know what it's been. Maybe it's winter. I don't know what, but I'm having the toughest time getting up early, <laughs> early like I used to. Meaning a little bit before the time I'm supposed to get up to do things just so I can not feel rushed, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean, let me know. Anyways, the book is The 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. And I'm going to give you two quotes, okay? The first quote is, the real secret to productivity is not time management, but self-management. I thought that was fantastic. And then the second one is to double your income, triple your investment in personal development. I'm going to leave you guys with that. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you in the next episode.